You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. Welcome into another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Lila McRae, Joe Deck with me like always. We're going to start local and probably talk local for a while here as we finally got to the big game uh, where everybody was talking for non-district matchup between Riverhead's Lord Botetot. And I can honestly say I, I thought Riverhead's would could, could win the game. That's how I will phrase it. That's how I did phrase it. I'm not going to make it sound like I'm some future teller. I thought they could. I thought there was a recipe for success. I didn't see that coming. Uh, my recipe for success wasn't score, go score, outscore them, go 62 points, <laughs> go just light up the scoreboard, go score nearly every time you get the football. Um, it just, uh, it was, it was different than I expected, but awesome. Uh, the crowd was great. Both sides. I mean, the first half was just a, a shootout and it was great. It was fun. And, uh, but then to top that fun off with a, with the Riverheads win kind of going away, I selfishly homeristically loved it. Yeah. Uh, look, I know coach Casto was very happy, uh, after the game and, <laughs> uh, reminded me that I said they were going to lose by 21 before the year started. And I just like to say, you're welcome. Uh, I know your guys <laughs> wouldn't have made it this hard, made it this far and been able to do that without me pushing them. But uh, just kidding. Lord knows every day before practice, he's, he's playing it for him. You know? Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> just, just kidding. In all seriousness, I think it just kind of shows like the, the popular thing for other fans of other teams in this area is to say, well, if Riverheads didn't play in class one, then they wouldn't be winning all these state championships. And maybe they wouldn't be five in a row, maybe. But they beat a team that is pretty good in class three. And maybe they won't be state championship game good this year, but they're still a pretty solid team in class three. And they went in there and you said going away. That game was over in the third quarter. Uh, Lord Botetot did not have an answer for Luke Bryant. Every time Luke Bryant got the ball and got to the corner, it was a first down. He had 17 carries for over 200 yards and three touchdowns. And then they'd be like, okay, well, now they're going to focus on the outside, which... They never really did, but Cole Burton would get the ball first man through the hole and nobody would be left in the middle of the field and he would go running down the field. He had two touchdowns over 150 yards, 163, I think, with 14 carries. So Lord Botetot did not have an answer. I was kind of surprised. I know KJ Bratton got hurt and that kind of maybe changed how they did things offensively, but that game was starting to get out of hand before then. The drop off between quarterbacks was not grand. No, I, I, I agree. He's a good quarterback, good senior quarterback. You want that guy in your field uh, doing good things. They were already switching in the backup quarterback uh, nicely, the sophomore who, who will be their starter next year moving forward. And, and, and they're both, and he's they're good. both good. And the, so the, when people said, oh, well, the quarterback got hurt, that was it. Well, the drop-off wasn't enough to say that was the deciding factor. If it was, you know, dropping off to moving your center back at quarterback, maybe we'd have something to talk about. No, that kid's very good, and the drop-off really wasn't there, so much so that during the first half when there was no injury, they were they were switching to him. So I, I just don't take that as an argument. Um, both teams ran 55 plays from line of scrimmage, and Riverheads outgained them 570, 390. That's, that's the difference in the ballgame, is that Riverheads was gaining, 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 you know, over 10 yards a play. And, and that's, that's the difference in the ball game. We can talk about halftime adjustments, which should be talked about. The defensive adjustments were amazing. A team scored 32 points in the first half and were held to six in the second. We could talk about, you know, the creativeness and, and getting plays downfield, uh, plays on special teams, particularly by Lord Botetot. No, just Riverheads just lined up and ran the football at them, just like Lord Botetot knew they would, just like the film showed, and they got 10 yards of carry. They're not going to lose a game if, if they're running 10 yards a carry and it, it ever, you know, that's just the river headway. That's them doing what they want to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, to me, it, it just, it just goes to show that in terms of class one, like this state championship is handed out before they even step on the field. And I know you get nervous when I say that, and I'm sure coach Casto doesn't love it, but, I'm sorry, I don't 
I don't watch this team beat Lord Botetourt the way they beat them, and then say, well, you know, you got to watch out for Galax in the state championship or insert class one team here. I mean, I think region C and D could have an all-star team and they still wouldn't hang with Riverheads this year. I just, I just don't see Riverheads losing this game and, and in a state championship. And I look, you look ahead at their schedule, Taswell draft twice, but that's about it. Nobody else on this schedule has a has a chance. And I'm not even sure, no disrespect to Stewart's draft or Taswell, I'm not even sure how much of a chance they have. So I, I just I, I don't like Riverheads to lose any games on this schedule. And it goes to show, you know, Coach Casto's got one of the nation's longest win streaks. That VHSL record is very much in grasp now. And I would be shocked if they don't get there. You know, I would be shocked too. I I, I will say that. Now when you watch football, you see teams win big games and you see, you know, the hangover the next week, you see, you know, teams win a really big game. And then, you know, especially when they're playing a challenging team like Stewart's draft or having to travel far, you know, three hours down the West side of the state to Taswell the next week, you wonder if something weird can happen, but I just don't, I can't, I can't come up with when I recall Robert Casto coaching a team and allowing something like that to happen. I mean, so rare that they've lost two games in a row. You know, the last time I know they did it was when they played Stanton one week and Central the next week, and they were two very good teams. Um, but I, I, I just didn't. <laughs> I think <laughs> I just don't see it happen, and I don't think that was an example of what this would be um, because, you know, th- that was just losing and two good teams. Their two hardest games that season were lined up right next to each other, and and maybe this is a maybe there's a little bit of that with Lord Botetourt being one of their hardest games of the season, followed up by Stewart's draft. But, like, Riverhead's won this game, so it's not really the same thing. I, I just don't expect Riverhead's to come out flat. If Stewart's draft wins this week, I'm sure a lot of people will put that out there. But Stewart's draft and Riverhead's are rivals that play close games year in, year out. Uh, Coach Floyd knows how to attack Riverhead's. It's execution, if that can get done. Uh, but the same same case, Riverhead's knows how to attack Stewart's draft. I I, I don't know. I, I'm obviously not going to predict Stewart's draft to win this week or anything. I'm just saying that's that's what you watch out for. But what coach would I want in charge of my team to not have that happen is Ro- Coach Robert Casto. And, and he just does so good at quieting everything out, not making the outside noise, have a presence inward, and, and going out and winning football games. We've just seen that too often for too long without skipping a beat for, for me to think otherwise. So I, I think they'll win this week. I don't think there'll be a letdown, but you, you just you just hope you're right, and you, and you cite that as probably one of the things that only things that can beat them this week. Because I I just don't sit here and think Stewart's drafts so much better than last year. I don't know if Riverheads is better than last year. I just think they played a really good game last week, came prepared to play, and so I say that this week they're going to come prepared to Stewart's draft to win a football game. Uh still early in the season, but from what I've seen, Riverheads looks better. I just feel like they're more dynamic. I yeah. I think offensive. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because <laughs> last year you had Zach, especially at the end of the year, you had Zach Smiley running from one side and Caden Cook Cash running from the other, and the same fullback that they have right now. I the same quarterback. I, I you know better. I don't know. I don't know if their defense is any better. I I liked how their defense was playing last year. Um, and there's a half of football last week that wasn't defensively superior um i don't know i kind of tur- circling they didn't play a team though. that fast last year though leland yeah that's true that's true but and look what they did in the second half against fast kids you know i started hearing you know before the game i hear riverheads they could lose this week and, and i i you know i was understanding the challenges of what lord botatot brought to the table but then after riverheads wins i hear well you know, this isn't the same Lord Botetot that, that we've had the last couple of years. And, and yeah, they have some D1 recruits, but, uh, you know, some of those are underclassmen. Like, that didn't matter before Riverheads played, but now after Riverheads beats them, the story kind of shit. It just, it's always amazing. But that's, I, what I, my point is there's nothing more to really prove. And I don't know if last week absolutely proved anything. I think it just solidified assumptions made for years now that Riverheads 
despite being class one, was still the best team in the area. Even when the Valley District has good teams, I, I think Riverheads was right there with them. I always thought they were better, but I understand the argument. But there's no reason to just automatically put them below anybody in this area, um, especially this year with it. No one, no one else is up there. I mean, so I, I just I think it solidifies what they have done. You know, he's not writing new lines. You know, when he retires, when he goes into a Hall of Fame, the lines are already written. It's just the numbers within those lines change now. Is it five straight state championships? Is it six, seven more? you know, uh, in a row, uh, it's, it's eight now. How high does that grow before he gets done? You know, he, he wins against teams at any level he plays, you know, he's already, he already had a great le- record against class three teams. I, I said that in a pregame when we called it on radio, I think it's 21 and five against class three teams. I, you know, it's 22 and five or something like that. Now, you know, whatever the number was, I, I just, there's nothing more to really say. I it's, it's been said the scoreboard on Friday said it Lord Botetourt come back down to Riverheads next year. They'll come with a good team next year. They might knock off Riverheads next year. But right now, they won. They continue on. They continue this win streak. And, you know, I'm excited to see where it can go because this was the biggest hurdle in my mind when this schedule was put out, when the teams they were going to play was put out. And so that's past the biggest hurdle. They still got to take care of business. You know, none of these rest of the games are won yet. They got to go play them. They got to avoid the injury bug. Um, You got to avoid any bugs out there. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, though you talked about the state winning streak. The official one in the BHSS VHSL rule book says it's 45. That's within reach by the end of the regular season. Um, but there's a 52 game win streak with Phoebus talked about. So I don't know why there's a difference. VHSL reference talks about that. There's newspaper articles from back when it was set that talk about 52 games. I, I don't know what the difference is, but both of those are in danger because the 45 was within the regular season and 52 would be like the beginning of next season. So both, both of those are within the same kind of target here because they just played the hardest team that they'll play in the regular season and the playoffs. Yep. Waynesboro, they put on a show Friday night too. They beat Fort Defiance 43, 21. That score was 35, nothing at halftime and Waynesboro kind of called off the dogs. Ryan Barber, four touchdowns, all 50 plus yards. And this is kind of the offensive explosion, Leland, that I'm not sure you or I were expecting. We thought Waynesboro would win this game. I think both of us felt it would be close. Waynesboro came out and just blew the doors off Fort Defiance. Yeah. And I didn't see 35 nothing. No, I didn't. No, I think I think for for me, one, it Fort Defiance is probably, you know, it's not let's get good. the bad news out of the way first. Fort Defiance is probably not gonna win a game this year. Good news. Waynesboro might win a few more games than I was giving them credit for at the start of the season. And this is a team that it appears when healthy can be a super dangerous team. I I think they're dangerous to play anybody. Um, I think now the rest of the way, I think they faced Riverheads and Stewart's draft. So yes, but the rest of the way they're dangerous against anybody, including all those Valley district teams. They didn't have their quarterback. They didn't have the quarterback. I like so much uh, Blake, uh, Jones, I believe is his name. Uh, they didn't have him. They had uh, the backup in there, Wyatt Harrison. He, he did a great job filling in leading that offense, but they had enough of the pieces to get it done against Fort Defiance. Uh, that was my only hesitation about that game was just who was playing. So enough of them were, um, that was the first home win since 2017. I just, yeah, I like that. That Barber is a, is a game changer player. He's going to be an all district type player. There deserves to be, uh, ran three touchdowns in 50 out, uh, and then had a, interception return for 50 out that's those four 50 plus that you mentioned um i you know i i thought that was going to be like a 28 7 game something like that you know win and not by the skin of their teeth but win if they're fully healthy and then just to come out not fully healthy and still blast them 35 nothing first half love it so the 43 21 final makes me happy um it's the most points they've scored in a while i I love it. So I, I just like these teams improving. I, I say I love it. It's it's in the face of Fort Defiance there. I, I don't love that. Um, I keep hearing how young Fort is. And when you look at their roster, you look at who's playing, there's accuracy to that. There's not a lot of juniors on the field. You got a couple seniors, very few juniors, and then a bunch of sophomores. Okay. But why do I just not feel like in two years it's going to be so much better? I, I just, I'd like to see a little more fight in them. You're you know? g- yeah, you're going to have to see growth from this point to the end of the mm-hmm. year. 
and the growth is going to be measured in how how little you lose by, not wins, because there's just not a lot out there. I was hoping for their sake that Stanton game would be real competitive or something like that, and Stanton's only looked good. Yeah, Stanton. Speaking of Stanton, they beat Page twenty nine fifteen. Page, one of those teams that got a lot of press in the beginning of the year. I think we know maybe Page not as good as we thought, but Stanton better than we thought. Let's give Stanton credit. Uh, Darby, two first-half touchdowns. You and I talked about in the pregame, it would be important for Darby to build off the success he had the week before against Covington. He did that. He looked good. Yep. And that's great news for Stanton because their schedule is, you know, admittedly going to get tougher as the season goes on. But Rockbridge is a team that hasn't looked great. Um, I still don't know if I like Stanton to beat Rockbridge, but Rockbridge looks like a team that if they're not playing their A game and Darby is slinging the ball well, that you can get in the fourth quarter and it can be a game and anything happens in high school football. I I don't have much for Rockbridge. I The game they won was a 14-6 game against Perry McClure where I, I watched every snap of that game. They didn't impress me. And then they got their doors blown off by Western Almar, which expected. Yeah. But – I'm giving Stanton a chance. I, you know, I'm giving him a chance. And the best thing for Stanton to do is just stay in that ball game. Stay in that ball game. It might start to be a shootout because we know what Rockbridge likes to do offensively and get that ball downfield. But I think, you know, Stanton has shown they're capable of putting up these points. You know, those two first half touchdowns were the what what I like to see is DeConte Scott getting involved, the guy that was taking the snaps uh when Darby wasn't. I like him catching the ball. I like how he's helping the team. So I like that. And, and then getting McKenzie the ball. Uh, and running the ball well, he got the you know, fourth quarter touchdowns. I, I like that too. So I think if Rockbridge starts scoring, Stanton can keep up, and I, I just hope that can happen. Um, what I'm what I'm really hoping is Stanton's defense can do what they did a week ago and really show up early and and have an impact on that football game and make Rockbridge scared early and and you know control them and and keep them to under two or three score. You know, like keep them under twenty points. And I think that's their recipe is. Try to keep Rockbridge down and then and and make sure you're scoring just in case that isn't quite what happens. And uh, I think they have – we've seen the pieces capable to do that. And we, we were worried about Stanton this year. I, I think I said in our pregame preview show, that was the team I was most worried about because I thought it's time to see some progress, you know. And um, I, I think that's early signs of it right here. I, I You know, it, it, this doesn't right the ship. I don't think everything's rosy. But it, how – what better can you start? You blew the doors off Covington. You took care of Page County, who was seemingly overrated, and uh, yeah, you've done what you can do. I mean, two two and O is two and O, so all you can, you've done all you can do. So here, I think this is an opportunity for them to get a win. That they're playing the same region now, Class Three C. Both these teams, as much as I was setting up the Rockbridge Wilson game last week, that's what it is right now for Stanton Rockbridge, and they win this game. You start looking at what you think Stanton uh, Stanton's going to do, and that that season, what now was the season finale. That got pushed, that Wilson game that was supposed to open the season is now the finale. That game might carry a lot more weight if Stanton kind of keeps on this same tear. I still think they're going to have their troubles with the top of the district, but they can beat anybody else in the district if they play a version of what we've seen so far. If, if they take what the goods they're doing and keep doing it, they're, they're going to be competitive in all these district games, maybe outside of the top of the district. So, uh, Definitely outside the top of the district. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, their defense has played a lot better. That, that's what you and I said coming into the year. It's what we've said kind of each week. We need to see the defense be better, and they have been. So I think that's been the big difference uh, from last year to this year, and that's why Stanton has already racked up more wins and is looking to to add to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Coach Phillips finally knocking a couple wins on there. So I don't have much for the Valley District stuff here. Um Unless you want to touch on any of it, you know, I've been, you know, I I think we both kind of pushed Wilson ahead of TA. I think TA um, rebounded well from that Broadway game and and beat Monticello well. So I think we'll see between what what Monticello and what Wilson is. Um, Broadway got the win against William Monroe. That clearly sets Broadway ahead of Spotswood, who lost to William Monroe. It was good to see Harrisonburg win. That's kind of been that Valley District team that I thought could kind of take a shot at the Valley District title that we're not talking about. So I was happy they go up to Millbrook and get that win. It's a close win, uh, but Millbrook generally a decent program. So I like that for Harrisonburg to kind of get on the right step there because um, I don't think anybody in the Valley District setting themselves apart. I really don't. I, 
I know people want to put TA up there. They're just going to have to start playing each other. And I remain thinking one of these teams is going to win the Valley District, and that's great. And that's a trophy in the cabinet or, a, you know, a small banner somewhere. They're not – this we're, this isn't Valley District top dog status. This isn't a region – this isn't a district that's going to produce a region champion. And yeah. It just seems pretty obvious. Looking at the bull run, um, I think we've kind of established now a Central Woodstock, Strasburg, Luray. Um, I don't know which one of those teams at this point that I'm most worried about for Stewart's draft coming for that region, but it'll be interesting to see how those that pyramid of teams there sorts itself out. The first time we'll try to we'll start to see one of those teams play each other is Luray playing Central on October 8th. The interesting thing about that, the week before that, October 1st, Luray plays Stewart's draft. So we're going to know a lot more about region 2B there the first two weeks of October. So I'm really excited about how all that lines up. Um, and, and we're going to see. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Luray. Haven't watched some highlights. Haven't watched their film against Gap. I, if they're the best of the bull run, then Stewart's draft's fine. And, uh, and I say that no one Stewart's draft plays them here in a couple weeks. I haven't seen enough of Stewart's draft to really have a good handle on that. I just, I just tend to think they're good. I'm going to see it, you know, right in front of my face this week, Stewart's draft playing Riverheads. And, and credit, give myself credit, I can still see what a team is even if Riverheads starts beating up on somebody. I thought Waynesboro was much improved, and they, you know, were getting killed by Riverheads. I was right. So I, I think we'll see a lot about Stewart's draft this week. We'll see the fight in them. We'll see the, you know, who other than Aaron Nice is, is really the go-to guys. And I, we know what names we should be saying, but – We'll see it this week. This is a big prove-it week, I think, uh, across across the whole area here. We got the, the Riverheads going to Stewart's draft. We got the Waynesboro-Wilson. Hey, Waynesboro, you think you're much improved? Here's here's one of the up-and-comers, too. So here's a measure-and-stick game for yourself. And, I, you know, win or lose, I think there's some some measuring going on. But, hey, here's an opportunity. Um, I like this Buffalo Gap-East Rock game because I think Buffalo Gap needs a win right now. East Rock's hungry for a win. I, I like that matchup. And then, like we already talked about, the Stanton-Rockbridge game. Like, I, I love all these matchups this week uh, with teams that, you know, have done some winning already this season. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how all these shake out. I think you can make arguments either way on a lot of these games for pickums. So I, I like it for the area this week. Going back to your Valley District point. Oh, all the way back there. Yeah. You said you didn't have anything, so I kept moving. <laughs> well, and then I wanted to jump in, but you kept – freight training on so i just didn't want to step on you but <laughs> that's what i do with high school football <laughs> um to your point i i think the top three teams in the shandoa district maybe the top four teams in the shandoa district well no top three teams in the shandoa district i think would run the table in the valley district and i think the fourth place team would finish in the upper half of the valley district so yeah i i, I wilson does you know, they're supposed to play Rockbridge. I'm sorry that matchup didn't happen. They would have they beaten Rockbridge. At, at Spotswood. I knew it was another Valley District team, but Spotswood's the other one. Spot, Spotswood's not good this year. Um, you know, yeah, I think Wilson's good. I, and I know they've only gotten one game to show for it, but I, I just like the way they've come out in that one game. Um, I, you know, I tend to think they'll they'll show that they're good this week too. That Western Almario game is going to be real tough on them. That's <laughs> a real tough game. And then, of course, Riverhead Stewart's draft are going to be tough games. But, you know, I, I think by the time Wilson and Stewart's draft play, we're all going to be very interested in what that game does. Because um, while I'm kind of moving Riverheads on past them, I, th- I, just, I'm, I just have that feeling about what I saw at Wilson and what I'm seeing a little bit of at Stewart's draft. I just I think we're going to Wilson's going to be competitive up there with, with Stewart's draft. Maybe not win. Maybe not be super close, but I think they're going to show why it's going to be interesting. I think they'll be in that game in the second half, and uh, as we get closer, I'll zero in on what I think is going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. Moving on to volleyball, Riverheads, they had a rough day at the Auburn Invitational, uh, losing all their matches. They dropped a 3-5. and five. Fort is still 6-1. and one. Gap, right up there, though, 5-2. Uh, and two. They did beat Nelson. They lost to Larray. And um, they're, they're both their losses are to Lorette and Lorette yeah. was the class two runner up last year. So it's not like, you know, they're losing against some mm-hmm. team they shouldn't be losing to, you know, that's reaching up and that's not quite getting there. So, but I, Wilson I, and Wilson is going to be a big test for them. And then uh, Riverheads should be one that, you know, you'd think 
the way the season has played out, Buffalo Gap's got to feel pretty confident going into that match. Yeah, it's a big week for Gap. You know, we've we've given them attention the last two weeks in this spot, talking about what Gap volleyball is doing out there, and excited to see it. You know, this is kind of that that week that not a make or break week, but just kind of sets you in the right direction potentially. If you can win both this this week, then then hey, you're making a lot of noise. Um, if you can split, then you know you're in there somewhere. Uh, you just don't want to lose both. So you know. Come with your A game this week because I, I think it's pretty important for that. I, I'm just excited re- district games are starting here mm-hmm. in volleyball. We've kind of been waiting on it. Um, I know Waynesboro's been battling time away, and so I'm just I'm happy. I think it sounds like they're coming back. We're going to get a bunch of district games happening, and we'll really start to see what's happening in this district. I know Fort's the favorite. I, I just want to see who else can really make noise. As you mentioned, Riverheads didn't have the greatest weekend. It, it doesn't make me think that they won't still make noise in the district. I just think they had a bad day. Yeah. It's, it sticks on a bad day when you play five games. Yeah. <laughs> but, and like you said, I mean, Waynesboro right now in a COVID pause, obviously we're hoping they can get through that and get back into matches as district. I back this week. Well, uh, that's good. Like it, hopefully. The schedule's showing it. Hopefully when the district starts playing each other, we can avoid that kind of stuff. Um Moving to college football, Virginia Tech. I noticed this, too, because um, I watched the game. But Bill Roth and Eddie Royal, I was like, all right, a couple Hokies on the call. Loved it. Um, so a little bit of a – I didn't think they were too Tech homer either. Um, well, they, Bill Roth is a pro, so he, he yeah. would know how to control it. When Though, when Tech scores a touchdown, he goes, touchdown, Tech, and that's his old yeah. uh, standard. For, it just felt good to hear. Um, and I would feel cheated if he didn't bring that to the table. But yeah, I, I thought Eddie Royal was, you know, quick to to mention good things coming from Middle Tennessee and, and what Tech was doing wrong against Middle Tennessee. So I appreciated Eddie, you know, putting on his professional glasses for us. Uh, though I'd like to see those guys back in the booth anytime, anytime we're playing one of those um, ESPN ACC Plus. extra games or something. Yeah. Even ACC Network, I'm fine. Just I'm let's let's have them there. I, you know, it's part because. Uh, Virginia Tech is producing that program. That's, you know, they put in those studios down there in the stadium. They have the communication cloud. They have all that support for it. A lot of the ACC schools set up stuff like that. Um, so people are ready for stuff like that. And, and that's why we get the two, what you would think is Homer broadcasters. But yeah, I thought they did a great job, sounded great together. You know, I, th- I think ACC uh, Network and ESPN would be smart to put those two guys at any game because I think they'll do a good job on any game. Yeah, no, I agree. As for the game itself, uh, it was a little bit dicey there at the start. Yeah, but we talked about the highlight already. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we won. I'm glad we won. It's just you kind of had to suffer through a half of frustration, and that's you know the name of the book after Fuente gets done at the Tech. It's going to be called Half of Frustrations. So. <laughs> yeah, and you know we're up to number fifteen in the polls, which is good. But you gotta got to come out ready proof. to play. Don't don't lose to West Virginia. Cannot have that. Yeah, I am preparing myself uh, because it's a hard place to go play. It's a hard place to go up there and play. Uh, I don't think West Virginia is that great. Uh, I just don't know how great we are either. Uh, I'm I'm fine with the idea that if we were to lose, which I will not like, and I'll be mad about Saturday night if that's the case, at least it's not an ACC loss. So um, the game has a lot of juice because it's an old rivalry. Uh, there's, you know, countless videos and memes and remembrance and clarification of song lyrics that go into this week with, with this rival. And so I like it. I like that it's renewed. I hope it can continue in years to come. But I just I, I have my nervousness about this game. Beating North Carolina didn't take this nervousness away. Uh, I think it's turned you into saying, well, now we better win. And I, I appreciate that. Um but I still just have my nervousness because I it's just because I see us not do what I want us to do so much with this coach that it's just, that's where I'm at. Um, I hear you. I know it's on the road. I know West Virginia can be a hostile place to play, but West Virginia is not be for us. It will be for us. West Virginia is not good. They are not they good. Are. The big 12 is not good. You know who took it on the head this week? The Big 12 Conference. They got smashed over the head with a sledgehammer. So did the ACC. I mean, <laughs> I mean that conference. I, I'm sorry. 
I am done pretending this conference matters. I don't care if Oklahoma goes undefeated or not. That's not a playoff team. It, no way. And for Virginia Tech to go into this West Virginia game, all I've been told is, you know, North Carolina was a great win. That shows that we're ready for the next level. Okay, you're ready for the next level. You're not going to drop a game. Even though it's your rival on the road, you're not going to drop a game to a terrible West Virginia team. They lost to Maryland, and it wasn't close. Well, I guess it was close, but Maryland kind of <laughs> Maryland was kind of Definitely the close. better team. It was a close game, but West Maryland was the better team. You do not lose to a team that lost to Maryland. I I very much hope so. I I think we can win. I'll pick us to win. I, you know, whatever I gotta say is just I have my insecurities. I have my insecurities about Middle Tennessee. And you're not. You're not. <laughs> yeah, you're not. I'm not saying you're wrong to have those insecurities. I'm just saying for the Fuente, you know, defenders, you lose this game. It's the North Carolina win loses a little bit of shine. I want to make it to that ACC championship game one way or another, despite my insecurities, despite where we'll probably slip up somewhere. I'm hoping that's a singular thing. I, I just want to make it to that game because I want to get in a one game situation and see what can happen. The last time we were in a one-game situation, see what can happen in an ACC championship game against Clemson, things were happening. So I just want to get to that spot again, and uh, we'll see what happens. UV, uh, James Mitchell oh, is out Mitchell. for the year. got to talk Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just terrible. It's terrible. You know, you don't start writing losses down beside games because of losing Mitchell, but he's a big loss to this offense. He's a, he's a big weapon. Uh, he, he will affect our offensive productivity. We just got to be able to overcome that. Um, you know, that's one thing about football. There's, there's 11 guys out there at a time. So losing one guy should not absolutely destroy your team. especially if it's not a quarterback. Um, but if we weren't to lose a quarterback, this, this is the next guy that you didn't want to lose. Uh, and he's that special player that we just wanted. We just wanted to watch him have a great year uh, as he goes into the draft. And I, I kind of assume we'll still see him going to the draft. We'll still root for him just the same. We just wanted to see that highlight package on the field of Lane Stadium with the crowd packed this year. Uh, so in April, that's the highlights we're watching. I, You know, everybody already has attention on him. I, I think it's going to be hard for him to pass up that opportunity this year, um, especially understanding what this knee surgery is. He, he should be able to get kind of right back um, and, and not be out for a you know 12-month period or something. You know, he's not tore his knee all apart. So uh, And this will keep him from tearing his knee all apart. So. Yeah. I, I feel sorry for him. Um, I realize it's probably the last time we've seen him play, um, but I'll, I'll root for him. Like, you know, we watched him start for <laughs> six years as a Hokie, you know, I'll, I'll root for him just the same, but uh, I, I just sad to see it go that way for him. UVA, they pound Illinois 42, 14. Uh, they play North Carolina next. And, and there's your chance UVA. Yeah. There's your chance. You, you think you deserve respect. You hadn't beat anybody. I, I don't care if Illinois beat Nebraska. Nebraska's nothing. You haven't beat anybody. Here's your chance. I just hate this. The week of playing North Carolina, well, why aren't we have, you know, other votes? And uh, why is our quarterback in the Heisman top? Because you haven't done anything yet. You have an opportunity right here in front of you. You don't even have to wait. It's coming right now. And so go win this week. Go put 50 on UNC. Have your quarterback do all sorts of crazy stuff and win the game. Then you'll get all the attention in the world, but it's just beating William and Mary ain't going to get you there. Beating Illinois ain't going to get you there. So it's just also, if you're, if your quarterback's a Heisman guy, why is this 99 coming in the game and doing what he's doing? Like I I'm confused. If, if your quarterback is that great, why are we doing all this junk? So I just, I'm, I'm eager to see how that works out against UNC. I, I just, I, I'm going to learn more about them. I got to learn a little bit at UVA cause they were on at 11 a.m. Let's see what they do in prime time against UNC, and and maybe I'll I'll learn a thing or two. Um, I know you don't got I anything said, to argue with me about. I said the UNC <laughs> loss loses shine if Virginia Tech loses to West Virginia. It loses shine if UNC shine loses to UVA. I just don't see it happening. That's why I'm saying it the way I am. I, I just, no offense. No offense. Maybe UVA is a lot better than we give them credit for. Maybe they're undefeated they when it. they play Virginia Tech. But right here, they can prove it. Nothing they've done yet has proven it. I do want to talk about JMU year. Last week we blew past it, uh, but they have a big week game this week. They start a five-game stretch where they play ranked FCS opponents, and they're going on the road to Weber State, the number 10 team. They lost to Utah. 
uh, the other week, but they're a good FCS program. JMU's seen them in the playoffs. This is a game for JMU fans to get perked up about. It's on ESPN Plus, so it's a little bit easier to find. Um, it's a night game, I believe. Yeah, 8 o'clock game on ESPN Plus. So uh, it's something to get excited for, JMU fans. It's a game they're favored in, but, hey, it's a top-10 matchup in the FCS. So it's a challenge. Okay. Okay, what? I Going on the road to a top-10 team. I Great. They ain't going to win 55 to seven. I'm also not going to watch it. So that's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to watch it either. Um, At least it's easier to find if, uh, if for some reason I fall asleep and my wife needs to find it on the TV. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Oregon upset Ohio state at the horseshoe. That was a big win for the pac 12. The fun one to watch. It was, that was a good game. Iowa goes into Iowa state beats them again. Iowa state may never beat Iowa ever again. Like that may never happen. Um, Iowa one, I was good Two, I mentioned it earlier. The big 12 is not good. Speaking of Texas got drubbed by Arkansas 40 to 21. I mean, our Kansas, our Kansas get out. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Look, (laughs) and then Appalachian state quality team almost gets the upset against Miami. Yeah, I yeah, you're bagging on the Big 12. We'll just ignore the ACC. <laughs> Appalachian State's quality opponent. Um, I now, mean, Arkansas. I, I, I'm not stop putting on Appy State dead ahead of 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 Arkansas. I, I mean, I think they could beat Arkansas. Notre Dame almost lost to Toledo. Oh, man, Virginia Tech's schedule just looks worse and worse. Like again. I, I kind of texted you, looking at this schedule, there's not a good team on it. Like, we kind of need to not lose. Yeah. I'm going to give us one because of who our coach is, but. <laughs> well, we've, we've already beat UNC, so I think that's the one we needed that, that we've already given ourselves one, because it'll happen somewhere. We're Notre Dame would be forgivable. The other one. Well, that won't be an ACC loss. So. Yeah, the other ones, you kind of need to win. Um. Florida State. <sighs> what a way that to coach lose. Been there. That coach has not been there very long. He's he's just waking up at this job. And ooh, that's a bad one. And know why? I know it's bad because we've been through this. <laughs> They're going to. There's no way he survives this year. I wouldn't think. But it's, it's still only. It's ending like a second year. Yeah, but when he got there, like before he even stepped on the field, there was controversy. He lost his locker room. Yeah, that was bad. That and was bad. then, I, and then, the games that he's losing are just not good. Yeah, everybody thought the hope was there with that Notre Dame game, and hey, I kind of got sucked into that. I think we've all gotten sucked into some Florida State. Uh, you know, well, what we learned is Notre Dame's not good, and Florida Notre State's Dame's bad. Not that great. So yeah, it kind of pushes them both down, and that game just. Puts the exclamation point on, hey, this coach gets fired. When they hired Dion, I am not going to like that. You're going to have me in a bad mood on a podcast when they hire Dion Sanders because I do not want to listen to his mouth every week in ACC press conferences. I just – I'm, I'm not saying when I was a kid I didn't think Dion was kind of cool. I, I'm not a Dion guy. I'm fine with it. I hope they do. I don't think he's going to be a good ACC you want coach. To, you want to get a Mike Leach. You want Mike Leach in, the, in Florida State. I want Dion to be the head coach at Florida State because I think it means Virginia Tech will still be better than Florida State. So I'm all for it. I don't want him to hire somebody good. So yeah. as long as they don't hire Tony Bennett, you know. USC <laughs> fired their coach after they got upset by Stanford, but that's kind of the secondary story for me. The primary story is USC's kicker was ejected on the opening kickoff for targeting. Oh yeah, I did see that. That was awesome that. and hilarious. I, I think the firing of the coach might be the bigger story. No. But yeah, that, that was something you don't see every day. The, the Secondary. Kicker, you know, making it happen. Clay Helton should have been fired last year. COVID uh, uh, protocols saved his job. It's been a long time coming. He took over for Sarkeesian when Sarkeesian had to be let go. His stuff. Yeah. Um, and Sarkeesian was hired after Lane Kiffin was 
fired on the tarmac. It's just been chaos out there at USC. And for a program like USC that can suck you in so easily, it, it reminds me of Miami. It reminds me of what Miami's been. They, even Miami hasn't been as tumultuous uh, with the coaches as this. I, they just suck you in, making you think they're going to be good or can do something, and then they just aren't. And uh, so they're still kind of rebuilding here. I I don't know who I think gets that job that would make me wow. think good things will happen. I know people are talking about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's not nope. able quite this quick. Um, what are they, James Franklin from Penn State? Nope. Uh, you know, he doesn't like hearing that those rumors this week when he has game day coming to his place. I, who do you got? Eric Bieniemy is the one I hear. Okay. Illinois coach? No, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Oh, my bad. I mixed up names. Oh, yeah. It, they're going to have to do that now. Because he's USC's uh, – or he went to USC. Yeah. They're not going to be able to wait on him because he's probably going to be coaching deep into January, if not February. Um, they're going to have well, to pull him away I mean, now if that's the case. Their interim coach probably rides out the year. Yep. It's like the Super Bowl now is pushed a week. So that recruiting, you have recruiting window in December and you have that big recruiting day in February that we've kind of always had. Both of those now take place ahead of the Super Bowl. So if you're okay with not having a head coach to recruit your players until after that, okay. It doesn't give me strong feelings that USC will rebound quickly from this. So I, the discussions I was hearing was what would it take to draw him out now? And um, he's going to have to really want to go to USC for that to be the case. Um, You know, in his defense, if he did take it, I wouldn't blame him. He's gotten passed up for how many NFL jobs at this point? Like, I don't – and I don't understand. When you see people like uh, Dan Campbell hired or – I know the Eagles won week one, but their head coach is a clown. I mean, if he left for USC and was like, you know what, I don't think – I think I'm going to have to prove that I can be a head coach in college before they give me a shot in the NFL. I'm fine with that. You know, if he goes to USC and then sticks it out for a, a good long while there, I think any any repercussions of him bolting early would, would be gone. You know, hey, okay, it was his dream job. It was that level of job for him. That's how much I meant to you. Like, I think if he goes to USC for three years and then wants to come back to the NFL as a head coach, people are going to remember, hey, you bolted on your team uh, <laughs> early. So it's just a oh, – But for a, a head coach job – Huh? For a head coaching job, I think hiring in the NFL would be te- would be hesitant. I don't think so. They hired Urban no, Meyer. No one leaves NFL jobs quick. Yeah, Nick Saban never did that. That was a head coaching job that he left. There's a difference. I I guess I'm maybe I didn't say it out loud properly. If he goes to USC and stays like eight years or something i, I don't think, think he needs to anything stay would years. fade away from him leaving really early if he goes there for three years then he's like hey nfl i want a head coaching job right now i think owners would be like i'm sure you're excited to come to the nfl you had an nfl job and you bolted early i think he would he would be met with some but resistance he's there yeah my what i'm saying is i don't think they would blame him because he's leaving an assistant coach's position in the nfl for a usc job he's not leaving a head coaching position in the nfl uh, he's leaving a very prominent position. I mean, and if he's a good head coach, if he's a good head coach, I don't think NFL owners are going to kick her. They want to win. Jacksonville hired Urban Meyer. How's that going? They played one game. That is a. I don't think that's a bad look into those stories. That is things before? are not good. What was the what was the situation there before he got there? Yeah, but they they've got players that are already tuning Urban Meyer out. Like, they're do already think, over Urban Meyer. Do I think this will work? No. But he hasn't done anything. Like, he hasn't done bad yet. He hasn't done good yet. He hasn't done anything yet. They got housed like, by the Houston Texans. He's done bad. What has happened in Jacksonville before he got there? They went to an AFC championship, what, three years ago? Two years ago? What was the last three years, Joe? What was ever since that time? Like, I'm just saying. they terrible. That's why they had the number one pick. That's why they had a head coaching need. Like, yeah, but then they hired Urban Meyer. He just he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't done good or bad. He has done nothing. If bolting scared NFL coaches, they wouldn't hire Urban Meyer. That guy has bolted everywhere he's ever been. 
I think that's a valid point to to counter to counter what I said. Urban Meyer's name carries a hell of a lot different weight than Kansas City's offensive coordinator. That I mixed up his name with the head coach of the Fighting Illini. I but not in NFL circles. All right. Speaking of NFL, because I don't. I don't think either of these games are going to – well, maybe Auburn-Penn State will be a good game, but Bama-Florida is going to be a blowout. Um, oh, yeah. The Steelers are 1-0. They had a comeback against the Bills to get that defense win. Yeah, defense did look good for the Pittsburgh. Block punt really got me excited. Um, you want to see more out of the running game. I think that will come. I mean, your, your lead running back is a rookie in his first game, uh, so I'm not counting that as some big bust yet like people on social media want to. Uh, it's a long season. I don't think this team's going to go 11 and 0 and then drop the last six like they did last year. Um, but I do think they are a playoff quality team. So I think that win right there helps reassure that they were capable of beating good teams because Buffalo also playoff caliber team. So I like that win. They got the Raiders this week. Raiders coming off that Monday night football game. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a winnable game and I like going back to home, uh, but it's also a losable game. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, if that def- if we have that kind of defensive effort week after week, there's going to be a lot of wins coming into Pittsburgh. Yeah. Washington loses their quarterback in week one for the season or at least six to eight weeks. Um, Henneke comes in and he is going to be the quarterback. I know you put Cam here, and you're not the Never. only one that's asking. People keep bringing it up. I don't think it's happening. Maybe I don't think it's happening, Cam, and I don't think it. it should. I, I don't yeah. – I'm sorry. People are not remembering last year and and what Cam Newton was I last think, year. I just – they think. saw one preseason game. We're like, oh, wow, he looked good. And I'm like, okay. And then the first time he gets hit, he's not going to look good. Like, he has damaged goods at this point. Cam Newton – comes with so much noise around him. I don't even think that's the problem. I think he just does. I think his arm is done. Like, I think one good hit and he's done. I think Cam Newton in his heyday was a great player and a dynamic weapon. But I think those days are long past Cam Newton. And I just don't think he has what it takes to be an NFL starting quarterback anymore. I think also the rumblings from New England when he was out for a week because he had COVID related separation stuff i think at washington with their coach and how he's been handling the covid related protocols i think that matters too so i i just think for multiple reasons if he's not going there and if they wanted him he'd already been on that roster ron rivera knows him ron rivera knows we could be they could have signed him a year ago before new england did and they didn't so um i i just i don't think it's happening everybody keeps bringing it up i i don't think it's happening i agree they got the Giants next week. That's a winnable football game for them. They should That's be just one thir- and one. And it's Thursday. It's that Thursday night game, NFL Network. They should be one and one. Ravens, they lose in overtime to the Raiders in just a spectacular hellscape of a fourth quarter for them. I just... Overtime. Overtime was crazy. <laughs> it was. It's frustrating. Lamar looked panicked. The offensive line was under duress most of the game. But... I just he still fumbles. He just fumbles twice. Late yeah. The game. Like that hurts. Do that. Yeah, that hurts. And, but for me, I, I look, you got lucky as sin when you got burnt deep and then the receiver was down at the one, the play you lose is almost the same play defensively. Just engage eight. If you're a Madden person and they, the receivers all by himself, down the field, and I'm just like, ugh. I mean, he could have stopped, caught it, and then ran it into the end zone. He was just wide open, and that was a tough way to end the night. Uh, But 0-1, you play the Chiefs. We're going to get to see if 0-2 in a 17-game season is as deadly as 0-2 in a 16-game season Uh, because I I just don't see this team beating the Chiefs on Sunday night. I... I just want to go back to those two fumbles. I, I mean, you fumbled twice late. If you're a quarterback, you turn the ball over twice late, you get killed. But at least if you throw it downfield <laughs> to turn it over, like at least there's field possession meaningfulness there. When you're just fumbling back here and just 
you just got to hold on to the ball. He might, I, there's this thing that it's like a rumor. I've seen it happen. They like tuck that football into themselves. So it's not as easy to, to get knocked out and not, you know, continually adjusting and having it out here and then bringing it in. I, you just think you could just kind of keep it tight or just choose to slide where, where needed. I, I know, um, well, I know the last fumble game, was in not, the pocket. Yeah. I, yeah, but the other, the other one late wasn't, um, I know, and we saw Brummeister get hurt the other day. I know quarterbacks want to make plays to win their games. It, it matters for you to play the next play. Like, that's a big piece of the puzzle as a quarterback. you got to do what, like, is best for your team overall. And sometimes in the moment, that is just sliding. Late in games, even worse for that. And, and there's moments and seasons, and, and especially playoff games, where, like, you, you, that's out the door. But first week of the season, just avoiding that contact as much as possible does mean more than later in the season. So Lamar's still learning how to, to do all that. He's a great talent, just a great talent. It's just too many mistakes come out of him. I, and I'm usually the one that's more positive about him than you are. So I don't, I don't need to pile on the negative here, but I just, ah, just those, ah, just two fumbles bad. Yeah. I, I wouldn't pick the Ravens against the chiefs this week, but it's a home game. Maybe uh, a little fired up after being, maybe feeling embarrassed or something. Hey, the chiefs like to mess around. The Chiefs did it last week and came out and were trailing. They do this all the time where they're trailing. You just expect it to bite them in the butt at some point. You you wonder if this is a week that can happen. I, I wouldn't pick it that way. No, they're gonna they're gonna beat the Ravens. Any other NFL headlines that you want to talk about? Tyrod looked good. I like Tyrod. I like that he got the win. Um, yeah, I like that. I thought Aaron Rodgers looked terrible, and I think after the offseason he kind of deserves it a little bit. I think he's just kind of been talking too much and I, I you know, he'll, it'll get back. This isn't the Packers season's over after that one game and Aaron Rodgers is just done right now. No, that's not what it is. It's just, it was a bad week. I think it was a little bit of karma for him, but he'll, he'll get it back on track. The, the guys in the locker room around him aren't giving up on him or, or, you know, done with him. Maybe love doesn't like him very much, but the rest of the guys, they'll be fine. So it's just one week, but they'll be on Monday Night Football next week. So uh, we'll, I, I bet you they look a lot better next week. Yeah, against I the Lions. They'll be fine. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here and let's just, let's just get to the D block. D block time here on the X Sports Podcast. I'm William McCray, Joe Deck with me. Joe. I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, what's been dominating my life is a show on Netflix called F1 Drive to Survive. In fact, it's what I was watching when I got the email to start this little podcast tonight. Um, I am in the middle of the final season that's on Netflix now. I have powered through the first two. So there's three seasons on Netflix. I'm in the middle of season three right now. I initially thought, I heard people talking about it, and they're like, oh, my gosh, the show is so good. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. And I was like, mm, I don't know, man. F1's not really my deal. But you watch it. There's a ton of, like, bickering and politics involved. And it's – I've kind of gotten into it. I haven't watched an F1 race. I don't know if I'll be that into it to the point where I'll watch an F1 race from start to finish. But it, the show is interesting. There's a lot going on. You got the teams and – the, the infighting between the teams and the two drivers for each team that fight. You've got the teams that fight each other. And it, it's a super interesting show, and I highly recommend it, especially if you're into sports documentaries. It is up there in terms of my sports documentaries that I've seen. Hmm. Interesting. A little documentary going on. It'll probably come up in the next couple weeks. It just started tonight. It's not my what's dominating my life, but I was watching yeah. it when I sent the email to come on here. It was the Mets 30 for 30. Uh, the 85 Mets or 80s Mets uh, yeah. story. And it, it's already awesome. Uh, I watched first half of part one and it's, it's awesome. Um, all right. So what's dominating my life? Uh, the Monday night football coverage. We talked about the game. Uh, the coverage made a lot of news this week because in addition to Lewis Reddick and what is it? Brian Greasy and Steve Levy, uh, the crew that got put together last year and they're back at it this year. For 10 games this season, the Monday Night Football will have a mega cast or an additional cast there with the Manning brothers. They have Peyton and Eli, and I watched it. I would never have sat down and been, you know, glued into this game and listening to every word if it wasn't for that. I will say the first quarter was a little rough. 
they were you could you could feel a lot of energy. <laughs> Peyton Peyton can bring a lot of energy to something, and he's and he's so excited. I mean, he obviously knows everything he's talking about and everything like that. But sometimes he can get he he wants to do it all, and he kind of was doing a lot at the beginning, and him and his brother both, and then it settled in to what I think was a really interesting way to watch a football game. I'm not saying this this type of way is the the future of every broadcast, but I think it's an interesting way to have an alternate broadcast. I think ESPN has tried mega cast in the past, especially with college football and other stuff when you put like five coaches in a room or you have this or that and these people or the Homer broadcast. I think this was just an, a really interesting alternate way to watch a football game. And I'm excited about the nine more times that they're going to do it. If the Steelers are playing on one of those, I'm not sure if I'll watch this because the focus is not every single play of the game. And um, there, there is other discussions going on. You can, you can pretty much generally always see the game as long as there's not a te- technical difficulty uh, that there was, there was a couple there. Um, but if you just want kind of a more laid back approach to this, you want to, you're okay with hearing some stories that aren't happening during this game or not necessarily with people involved in that game, I think it's a really interesting way to watch it because then there is the plays, a lot of plays where Eli and Peyton dig into what the defense is showing, what the quarterback is adjusting, why he's adjusting, why he did what he did. Um, immediately knowing who kind of failed there. And, and a lot of that is what the color commentary normally does in a booth they they can read that stuff and that's why people like tony romo because he's doing a little more of that predicting stuff and uh you know the deep film uh analyzation coming out uh peyton peyton's probably better at that than even tony romo but this dynamic of kind of a laid-back couch setting there's there's production issues at one point you're hearing the producers talk uh there's a multiple times they're going to commercial break and somebody's just talking uh but i still found it very interesting a very fun way to watch the game uh, all the guests did well. Charles Barkley during the first quarter, Ray Lewis during the second quarter. Um, uh, uh, they had Russell Wilson during the fourth quarter. Um, I forget who was in the third quarter, but all of those people did well. And people started citing how those people were doing well for themselves, especially Russell Wilson. They said, Russell Wilson's going to be the next guy in the booth. I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I, I just thought it was cool. There was one of my favorite lines and I tweeted to Patrick Height. Uh, he was talking about, to Ray Lewis, he, you know, Peyton, and that's how Peyton is, self-deprecating, given all, you know, especially someone like Ray Lewis there, a lot of credit for what that defense was able to do in their battles with each other. And, and Ray Lewis was feeding it right back. But he said, yeah, y'all had us figured out. said, I had better timing with Ed Reed than I did Marvin Harrison. I just hit Ed Reed right in stride. And I just, I cracked up at that. And, and there was more lines than like that. There was Eli cutting on Peyton. I, I, I just don't. I, th- I thought it was interesting. I know on Twitter you immediately see people saying, ah, I don't like this, or this is what's wrong with it. Then, then go watch the main broadcast, and that's right there. And, and the ratings for ESPN2 with these guys was not spectacular. I think it'll be a little bit better coming up because people will hear about it, and I think it was a good product. But uh, I love it as an alternate way to watch a football game. Um, I think at some point we'll start talking about how this maybe broadens what the um, color commentators are doing during normal broadcast, but I don't think it's, it's, it's just going to completely change it. I just, I think it's going to give a little more variance or um, stretch color commentators a little bit more uh, in the long run, but I, that's not immediate. And I, I think this will carry on. It'll get better. And then people will start trying to copy it in some way. Um, but for now, I like it the way it is. So. All right. I didn't watch any of it. I so I don't know. I wasn't going to recommend you. I, I know I told you I was watching it. I didn't tell you to go over there for the reason of they're not focused every single play of the game on what's going on in that game. I don't and mind that necessarily playing, watch that. Yeah. I don't mind that necessarily, but like you said, when your team's playing, you're kind of yeah. more plugged in. Yeah. Yep. What do you I know that we need to know? Like if the Steelers play in the Super Bowl, I'm I like, I'm not going to Super Bowl party. <laughs> like I'm going to be focused. That's on ridiculous. My <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, all right. I'll stick with mine. What I know that you need to know. And I got two of them. Uh, MLB All-Star Game uh, for 2023 is back in Seattle. They hosted it back in 2001. And, Joe, I think you can tell me a little bit about that game. Yeah, Cal Ripken had a pretty good game. Uh, It was his last last All-Star game. Uh, The real story here is that MLB continues their crusade against the Baltimore Orioles because, once again, Camden Yards gets passed over because we're in the middle of a lawsuit with the Washington Nationals, even though Major League Baseball won't admit that's why. Well, I think 
uh, I just thought I brought up memories going back to Seattle. Um, and it makes also makes me feel old because that, you know, yep. was 20 years ago. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I don't remember it like it's that long ago. But then when you start remember the details, of Cal Ripken's last game, so I was like, yeah, that, that was a bit ago. Um, so it's interesting. I kind of grew up. I, I was uh, not a Seattle, Seattle Mariners fan from the very beginning, but I was a big King Griffey Jr. fan as soon as I knew what baseball was. So I very much followed Seattle and rooted for them. And as a team, they're kind of my second team, but they had my favorite player. Uh, so I always did follow Seattle. Um, and that was kind of coming out the back end of it because I was um, not as much a Seattle fan when Griffey wasn't there, but I still thought it was cool when they had the new stadium and then they got that all-star game. So I think it's cool that they're going back. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to see another one in Baltimore before too long here. Well, better hope for a different commissioner. Well, yeah, I already hope for that. Same Z's. All right. Um, you got something else or you, I, I do have something else. If you want to do your thing, Tyler or do you want to save that for the end? Okay, go ahead. We've already said it. Tyler nickel Tuesday or, uh, today's Tuesday, Wednesday at two 45. Uh, he will in the afternoon, he'll be announcing his college decision. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, first day it comes out, Hey, 245, there's something to see. I know TV3 is going to have a live feed of it, so that's pretty interesting. You're going to see a retweet from this podcast after it's announced because uh, we're very interested. We've been talking about this, I think, since the podcast started of, of Tyler Nickel and where he should go to college. And it, I think it started with, hey, JMU should offer him right now to, man, I become. I hope he becomes a Hokie, to, man, UNC offered him is pretty big. <laughs> And that's what the dynamic we saw in the last two weeks. Last week he was, or two weeks ago, he was at Blacksburg when they played UNC and he did the whole recruiting visit. And uh, I think there was pictures of him inside the stadium for all that um, and a big win for the Hokies. And then he was wearing the tech uniforms that I thought he looked really good in. Uh, so that was good. And then now two weeks later, he's at UNC at, down at Chapel Hill and uh, he was putting on the UNC outfits. And I just didn't like that blue and how that looked on him. Uh, but I can't think it's a good sign that two days after he gets done with that trip, he's, he's ready to make an announcement. Uh, I've still got my fingers crossed for the Hokies, but I recognize the weight that a North Carolina can pull for a big time basketball player. So I'm hoping against that. And I'm hoping he wants to go, you know, do something that's never been done at Virginia tech. That's, that's what I'm pulling for. So you're saying that TV3 is not going to be carrying a huge commitment for JMU? I, they're carrying the biggest basketball commitment we've had in this area in quite some time. Yeah, um, I mean, but you're saying it's not going to be like with the JMU Dukes banner underneath, like Tyler Nickel commits to James yeah, Madison University. You're saying that's not a... I, yeah, I'm, I, I blew past that because there's oh. nothing to talk about there. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know if tv is allowed to cover it then, but... Um, mm-hmm. That'll be interesting to see if Virginia Tech can get him. That would be nice if Virginia Tech could get him. But I think it's the Hokies or UNC. If some third I'm like you. I'm like, I'm, I'm worried. North Carolina is really hard to say no. Yeah. Yeah, I hate it. I hope he does. I hope he goes to Virginia Tech. That would be really cool. I just if if you're as good as you think you are, and I, I think he has every chance to be, and he wants to go to the NBA, Virginia Tech can put you there. I yeah. realize UNC has put a lot more there. But you come to Virginia Tech and and have Tyler Nickel, you know, practice courts and stuff like that. I mean, they can be naming stuff. You have Michael Vick Hall down there. You know, you can have a basketball hall that's the Tyler Nickel Hall. And we, we talked about with JMU should have offered that before they even offered him to come. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you could do that at Virginia Tech. You go down there and win. It's not like you're knocking Michael Jordan out the way. You're knocking Del Curry out the way. So that seems a lot more doable to me to go there and be an absolute legend and own a place uh, and, and make me happy as a fan. That's my priority here. So we will see what he chooses on Wednesday. A lot of you listening might already know the answer to this as you hear me talking about it. Uh, So you'll know right now, if I am excited for my Hokie basketball team and a local kid that we've got to cover on radio playing for him, or if I'm disappointed, he's going to see, I wish him the best, no matter what I, he's one of the best recruits to come out of this area. Um, I think, you know, right up there with any local talent that we've had in recent years, I really enjoyed watching Darius George um, and um, so many players. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on the kid from Spotswood. uh, That was so good. Kyer uh, who went to George Mason and then Georgia. Now he's at Arizona. 
Uh, he was a really good player. I kind of gave him credit as being the best I'd seen. Darius kind of knocked into that, um, covering locally, covering within our local footprint. Uh, Mac was very good, but that was a visitor. Um, but yeah, he's, 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 he's getting more better looks than anybody we've seen. So, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm hopeful for the Hokies. Yeah. Pessimistic, but hopeful. Yeah. (laughs) So what I know that you need to know is the champions league started today, Leland. And, uh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo made news when he transferred to Manchester United, the rival of Liverpool. But they lost to a smaller club called Young Boys in their first Champions League match, which is hilarious. Yeah, an American beat them, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was awesome. Um, the other big news is Barcelona got blown out by Bayern Munich, which spells trouble for Barcelona. They'll still come out of that group, but the fact that they're that much behind Bayern Munich is not great for them. Um, Liverpool, they start their Champions League, uh, when you're hearing this, probably against AC Milan. They're in a tough group. Atletico Madrid's tough. FC Porto is a team that usually is into the knockout stage, and AC Milan is a, is a team that had a lot of success last year in Italy. So uh, Liverpool's going to have their work cut out for them, but I believe in them. They did have a gruesome injury to a young player, Harvey Elliott, uh, this weekend in their Premier League match. Looks like he might be done for the season, so that's disappointing. But um, hopefully he'll be better and recover and be back next year. I hope so. That'd be good for you. It would. But we'll give you. I'll be bringing you Champions League updates as the season rolls on. Don't worry. I know Leland won't have anything for you, but I'll I'll take care of you. So. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Be sure to tell us uh, your college football takeaways, your NFL takeaways, what you're excited to see, uh, what you think of the Washington football team. Should they sign Cam Newton or no? And uh, when it comes to local sports, be sure to tell us there too. Uh, who is that? third place team in the Shenandoah district. Can they run the table in the Valley district? Probably. Um, but if you're from the Valley district, why are you, why are we wrong? Tell us that too. Until then folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports podcast and we'll talk to you next week.